Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Thursday Buckeye Talk. We are slamming the podcast on you this week. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday morning, we talked to CJ Stroud. About half an hour with the uh, Ohio State Heisman finalist in Columbus before he leaves for New York. He'll have availability in New York on Friday and Saturday. Nathan will be there for that. We'll cover more of that when it happens. But Nathan, this was the most in-depth we've been sort of able to get with C.J. Stroud since he became Ohio State's starting quarterback. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we get him after games, but unlike my first season here where we got Justin Fields routinely in with midweek things, it's been rare for us to get him where we're not just asking him about the game that we just immediately saw him play. So it was refreshing to get him for an extended period of time uh, today and get to go into maybe some broader topics. I want to go talk football for an hour with Garrett Wilson and CJ Stroud. I want to invite them (laughs) to go eat wings and just talk about football because I called Garrett Wilson professor football and um, I'll come up with some kind of name for CJ Stroud because I just really like it. I like, when you get to talk with guys about that, one part is what they think about the game, right? Like, hey, you did this against this type of defense. Why did you do that kind of stuff? But more interesting is the process of how they thought about it. Not what they thought, but how they think it. How they learn the game, how they process the game, how they teach themselves the game, how they absorb the game from their coaches, how long they've been doing this. How did you get to be this way? I think CJ for a young quarterback is very cerebral about the game. How did you get this way, CJ Stroud? We got like just a little taste of that. I got a couple questions in about that, followed up a little bit when we got a little bit of one-on-one time. A couple of the outlets did afterwards with CJ Stroud. But I feel like we're just scratching the surface on that. And I don't know. I'm very excited to talk football and talk CJ Stroud's process of football with him over the next year, Steven, like am I unnaturally excited about that kind of thing or does this feel like, yeah, everybody kind of wants to dive into the mind of this guy. Yeah. He's, he's a computer. Like I kind of joked about it. I think on the the idea that CJ is doing it for the football nerds out there. He's a football nerd. And because he knows that's his best trait. He knows his ability to prepare for stuff, his ability to talk the game and kind of make it simple for people who don't know football the way that, you know, he knows football, obviously that's his best trait. And 
it shined at times this year, but that's something obviously I've been you know, working on the story of him in the background. That's something with him. That's always been kind of there. And I, he mentioned uh, to somebody's uh, that, that sometimes people have thought he was crazy because of the way he talks about this game. That's re- Yeah. That's kind of real. That's how sometimes it felt because he talks about this game with a different level of passion and a different level of understanding. than you would expect from somebody at whether he was 12, whether he was 16 or now he's 20 years old. Steven doesn't have power. His apartment complex, his power went out. So his microphone just sounded like a monster a couple of times. Oh. I, hope, I hope that'll go away. But we are dealing with yeah. winter weather in Ohio that is messing with uh, Stephen's ability to function because the place where he lives does not have power right now. So he is on his hotspot and we will edit this as best as we can. But please forgive us. I think, Nathan, that how do I say this? Like, I want to I want to go back. I want to hear the whole how CJ Stroud got here story, because there's a guy that. I, and I told CJ this, and I'm going to tease you on this a little bit, listeners, that um, in my 17 years covering this team, 17 seasons covering this team, the way CJ talked today only reminded me of one other person. And Nathan, I want to find out how CJ got this way. And when we were talking to him a little bit, Nathan, afterward, like he was sort of talking about some of the, the coaches that he had when he was younger and how he got this way. And, and uh, Stephen, as you mentioned, he, when he said in the news conference, yeah, people kind of have, in my past have thought I was strange, sort of with like, I, like how I am so into the game. And so then we kind of like asked him about this, like, what do you mean by that? And Nathan, one of the things he said was, well, like at high school, I wouldn't eat lunch because like I was studying football and he was like, Oh yeah, go find my best friend from high school. He showed up to practice 10 minutes late one time. And I screamed at him and I was like, I like this guy. Like you're, sc- <laughs> you're screaming at people for minor infractions. Can we be best friends? CJ Stroud, Nathan, it's like, it's a li- it was, it's just like tiny, tiny little windows, tiny little windows into how this guy thinks and I want to know more about it because, and I don't want to make it sound like we're running down his other physical gifts, that we're running down his arm strength or his ability to move or run or his accuracy, all those physical parts of it. But I do think, Nathan, that if he wasn't like that, he wouldn't be here. Like, do we all agree on that, that, he is a very good athlete. He's a very good athlete. He's a basketball player, kind of a late broom in this process. But as we know, and as we have talked about, he wasn't groomed in the seven-on-seven circuit. He wasn't groomed at every quarterback camp in the world, but he kind of groomed himself. And he did have, but he also did have people in his life who helped do it. But Nathan, he's a maniac. And if he wasn't a maniac, I don't think he'd be Ohio State's quarterback. No, I think that's probably a a fair way to say it, that there had to be something that separated him from a lot of other guys who are in that same athletic band. You know what I mean? Like that that same part of the spectrum, because there are a lot of guys who um, have that level of athletic talent. I mean, it's it's not I certainly don't. I don't think anybody on this podcast did, but around the country, country, there's plenty of those guys in every age group. And what what sometimes has to separate those guys, especially when you're playing a position where the the skill has to ratchet up a notch, like where your brain is so much more important. I think that there's different places on a football field 
where it's, I wouldn't say you shut your brain off, but you certainly use it in a different way. But like the processing that goes into being a quarterback, the things like what you're talking about, where you yell at the guy who's 10 minutes late to practice, that has to come from a quarterback. I think the more than it comes from other positions sometimes, and you've got to go back it up on the field with the way you play and the, the, the diligence that you put into things and the way that you hold yourself accountable and don't make mistakes and things like that. So I, all of those, it, it is interesting to get more insight into the way that package has formed with him over these past, what, like 15 years. I, I would like to give myself the offseason project of a maniacs list like the 10 biggest football maniacs that I've covered at Ohio state. And I'm trying to think on the fly. And I will tell you that the guy that I told CJ twice today that he reminds me of is AJ Hawk. And the other only other guy that is immediately leaping to mind in terms of football maniac that I personally covered is Dante Whitner, who is in that same era as AJ Hawk of just like absolute dedication high standard for yourself, high standard for everybody around you. And when we were talking with CJ on the field, again, when we got our little one-on-one session and we were asking about this maniacal dedication and he said, you know, I kind of gave up part of my childhood for it. And maybe it wasn't really the right thing to do. I might've missed out on some stuff. I might've missed out on stuff of just like being a kid. And he said, and I didn't really have my dad in my life. And so like, I didn't have someone Mm -hmm. like him who could sort of show me the way. So I kind of had to do it myself. And I pushed myself to this degree and maybe it was too much. Maybe I gave up some childhood things, but like, look at where I am. And Stephen, like that, you're Stephen, you're agreeing with that. Again, you've been talking with CJ's mom for this story that you've been writing Like that is quite a thing that a young person kind of makes the decision on their own to throw themselves into something like this. And you look and see the result, but it doesn't feel like anybody forced him. Sometimes you do have these stories of the quarterbacks who their parents shape them into quarterbacks from the minute they're, they're a toddler and they can throw a football. CJ shaped himself. It feels like Steven. Yeah, he didn't. He like his mother has no clue anything about football. She just, you know, she saw the ball. It's a person with the ball in the end zone. So that, that's a good thing. If they if it doesn't happen, it's not a good thing. There is an element to CJ that is very much Nathan. You've made this this you know this point a lot of times on this show. Um, two guys who are the exact same speed, but one guy has perfect form and the other guy doesn't. So what happens if a guy gets per- the guy who doesn't have perfect form and he's already the same speed as somebody else? What happens if he gets perfect form? And I, that's what CJ is. He's not the not from a physical standpoint. That's what Justin was. But the approach, the computer mind, the the discipline that he has to do some stuff. Imagine if he did have the quarterback coach at 10 years old. You know, imagine if his mother did know how the recruiting world worked. And so, like, he wasn't as much of a late bloomer because he wasn't just, you know, pulling himself to different camps and trying out at places when nobody knew who he was. Now, now granted, to to be fair, though, he did play in some – some he did play with a lot of these big-time kids in California. Like, he was on Snoop Dogg's football team in his youth days. So it's not like he's completely out of the loop here. But imagine if he had a lot of those things – how much further along he would be. And I think that combined with what makes him special, his brain is what ultimately won him the job here. All right, quick break. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk.
Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're just sort of talking about getting to know CJ Stroud a little bit better as we get here to the end of this first year. It is a little bit weird sometimes when you're a recruit for 18 months and you've been signed to Ohio State forever. Everybody learns all this stuff about you then. And CJ became a, a member of Ohio State's recruiting class so late. And then he got here in a pandemic. And so we, for a guy who was Ohio State starting quarterback, already just finished it and was a Heisman finalist. I just don't feel like we know him as well. If I try to think about what I knew about Terrell Pryor by the time he was done being Ohio State's first year started quarterback compared to what we know about CJ Stroud right now, it's like, are you kidding me? Like what we knew about Braxton Miller by the time I mean, Braxton Miller was like destined to be Ohio. Yeah, and like CJ Stroud, there's nothing about CJ Stroud that was destined to be this. Can I ask a weird question that came up, popped in my head today? And I guess I, I guess this is probably not the case. C.J. Stroud was getting asked a lot of questions because, listen, this is getting to talk to him about the Rose Bowl, getting to talk about the Heisman ceremony. And he said he did. He has been to games in the Rose Bowl, the stadium. It's always very confusing when the bowl is both the game and the stadium. Mm -hmm. So he's been to the Rose Bowl stadium. He hasn't been to a Rose Bowl game, but he said he went to a lot of games at the Rose Bowl stadium because he was being recruited by UCLA. At some point, did Chip Kelly tell Ryan Day, yo, man, you got to look at this guy because we're in on him, but he's probably blowing up too much for us because UCLA is not exactly the destination point for top 50 national recruits. Ryan, Ke I, Ryan Kelly, Ryan Day and Chip Kelly are like best friends. They're like Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman. They are like personally and professionally inexorably intertwined. And the way that CJ talked about being recruited by UCLA, it made me think, well, is it a coincidence that Ohio State's head coach, whose absolute mentor and entry point into the profession was Chip Kelly, wound up with the guy who was showing up at UCLA games for a couple of years? Nathan, did that pop in your head at all? I, I did, <clears throat> did not make that connection, no. Uh, but, but, but partially because... UCLA was just at such a low point at that moment. Now you would think that that would be the kind of guy that's the pitch you would make to, if you were Chip Kelly, right? Be like, Hey, I know we've won seven games these first two years, but, but come here. Cause you know what I've done before. You can be the guy that helps me do it. But once you're Chip Kelly, right. If you feel like, ah, we're not getting him. And it's like, we're going to go somewhere else where he may as well go play for my best friend. If he's not going to play for me, Steven, my imagining things, I probably am. I think you're on the right road. You just took a left way too early. Um, to my understanding, how this happened was they kind of knew who he was, but not enough to like get involved. And then he went to Dallas for the Elite 11 and he showed out. And then Julian Fleming and Jackson and Smith and Jigba and G. Scott started raving about him like, yo, you should get involved. And they got involved. Now, I'm pretty sure he and Chip Kelly had a conversation at some point after all that happened. But the guidance to him was a combination of the wide receiver commits and then the guys at Elite 11, um, like, a, like, like a Quincy Avery, those guys being like, yo, people need to be looking at this kid because he's probably the best guy here. No, that sounds right. Obviously, Ohio State and Ryan Day have a connection to Quincy Avery, and Quincy Avery yeah. is connected to C.J. Stroud, and Quincy Avery is connected to Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, and that clearly Quincy Avery – uh, is a obviously very well-respected and very well-connected teacher and uh, leader in the, the development of high school quarterbacks. He was, and he was here for He was here with him and his mother on an official visit. So like if you're for Ryan Day to have a good relationship with Quincy Avery is a very good thing. 
for Ohio State. Um, all right, let me do Doug's story time real briefly about why the A.J. Hawk comparison jumped in my mind. So my first year on the beats, 2015, excuse me, 2005, uh, I show up. They take forever to hire me. I'm interview. I interview in the summer. I don't get hired until the season starts. I missed all the preseason camp. I missed the first game. My first game covering Ohio State is game two of 2005. I work my last day in Wilmington, Delaware on Friday. On Saturday morning, I fly to Ohio. The entire plane is filled with Ohio State fans on a flight from Philadelphia to Columbus. And then I go cover the Ohio State-Texas game that Saturday night as a freelancer because I wasn't technically employed by the Cleveland Plain Dealer until Monday. So that's my start in 2005. That's A.J. Hawks last year. So like that first year, like, I don't even know who anybody is. I'm trying to figure like who the players are. I'm not intimately familiar with this team before they get here. So like by the end of the year, they're going to the Fiesta Bowl and they're going to do this thing where A.J. Hawk, I always get it backwards. A.J. Hawk's sister is engaged to Brady Quinn. And so it's this whole thing at the Fiesta Bowl. Every Ohio State fans know this, that she's half Notre Dame, half Ohio State. But it's like, hey, I want to do back then with newspapers, you did like a big splashy. I did like a big splashy bowl feature most years because we did a special bowl section. Like you needed a cover story for the newspaper section for the bowl. So I decided I'm going to do this story on A.J. Hawk and I'm going to dive in on A.J. Hawk, who I've been trying to get to know these guys over the course of the season. I'm not going to pretend I was best friend with A.J. Hawk. But by the end of the year, it's like, all right, he's the guy. I'll write a big thing on him. So I talk to everybody who knows him. I go to his family's house in Centerville. I go in the basement with his dad and the Lombardi trophy is down in the basement, like as a doorstop. And I was just like, what? Like this was one of the great. And it's not because they don't appreciate it, but it's because like AJ Hawk doesn't care about anything that isn't playing football. He doesn't care about connections. He doesn't care about awards. He doesn't care about anything. And the whole story is about this maniacal dedication, you know, talking to his trainer and they're out in the rain and all that kind of stuff. It's not a unique story, but this guy is a nut. And one of the things is he has this haircut in the Ohio State media guide. He has like a buzz cut in his photo every year. And by his last year at Ohio State, he and Anthony Schlegel and Bobby Carpenter all had this long hair. And it was like, well, why does A.J. Hawk still have a buzz cut? And it was because every year when it was time to take the team photos for the media guide again, A.J. Hawk would like refuse to do it because he wasn't giving up like 20 minutes of football prep for his freaking picture. It's like, use my old picture for my freshman year. I'm not coming. I'm going to be working out during that time. And the big, I led the story with this idea of him being on film in high school and one of his high school coaches, they were in watching film and AJ Hawk, like saw himself lollygag, like on one play on film. And he was like, I am never doing that again because I never want anyone to see even one play of me not giving my best. And I never want to have to think about anyone out there in the world who might have one chance to get an impression of AJ Hawk. And what if that's the play that they judge me on? And I'm not going as hard as I can go. And that is it. Like I am never doing that again. And so then I can't remember the thing, but it's like I, There's a whole play and they wind up watching film and it's example of AJ Hawk going as hard as he can do. And the thing that motivated AJ Hawk was the preemptive fear of regret. I I so much don't want to regret not going hard that it is going to be the motivation 
for going hard in everything I do at every single moment. And when CJ Stroud said on Wednesday, I don't ever want to have any regrets that I could have studied harder. I could have watched more film. I could have prepared in a better way. That fear of regret is what motivates me. I like got a knot in my stomach. I was like, oh my God, because this is a very specific kind of motivation because it is a motivation born of, I think, a combination of a couple of things. You know you have talent, which means you know you have the ability to achieve great things, but you also know you don't have so much talent that you can get there going like 80%. And you know that your one shot at truly being elite is given 100% at every moment. And I think that idea, because A.J. Hawk turned out to be what he was, not because he was the best athlete. He was a good athlete with a maniacal dedication. And if that is helping me figure out who C.J. Stroud is, that he is a good athlete with a maniacal dedication, then he's the A.J. Hawk of quarterbacks to me. And that's until proven otherwise, that's how I'm now going to see him. That This conversation today helped me with that a little bit. And he has the brain. And he said, when I was asking him all these questions about prep and why do you do it? He said, it's a gift. It's a God-given ability. He said, like, I'm kind of book smart. I'm okay with that. But he said, I think a lot of that's just how hard you work. But I do believe I have this ability to learn and process football at a high level. And I can't exactly explain it. And he said, I kind of think you either have it or you don't which is a little bit like sometimes like sometimes you can either throw it 80 yards or you can't. And sometimes you can kind of either drop a spin move on a guy and run a four or three, or you can't. So that elite trait, the elite traits discussion that we've had with Ryan day that Ryan day always has, it's his brain. I said, is it your brain? When we talk about you, we say the best trait, your best physical trait is your brain. I said, do you agree with that in our one-on-one conversation? And Nathan, you heard him. He said, yes. I agree with that. So that analysis of it, we've been right. He agrees. But this helped me today that he has it. And then, Nathan, he couples that elite mental ability with a maniacal dedication to maximizing that ability. And the result is C.J. Stroud starting quarterback in his second year as Ohio State and Heisman finalist. And I I hope that helps our listeners 5% more understand the guy who ran the offense this year is going to run it next year. Yeah. And I'm kind of intrigued by then and we won't get to see it. It'll be like stuff that's happening obviously away from us and away from about everybody else. Well, what do the next eight months of his life look like? Like once you get through Heisman, once you get through the Rose bowl, that period between probably not even eight, probably just that next six, like July, January through July, like, what does that look like and how does that brain work and how does that brain grow and how does that brain adapt to looking back over everything he did this year, looking ahead? You know, he, he talked about going into the Michigan game. I, I, some really fascinating details there, I thought, like just how much he was breaking down, like how he goes into each week. But then talking about like, yeah, I went back and watched Ravens film because when Mike McDonald was there and Mike McDonald wasn't even the defensive coordinator of the Ravens. He was just like the linebackers coach and defensive backs coach at different times, but he was just looking for just any little nugget he could get out of those things that he could then apply to what he was going to see in that game on Saturday. And I had asked him a question, like, what do you, 
what what questions did you or what 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 lessons did you learn from that game? And because obviously I wanted to kind of get his thoughts. Now we talked to him immediately after the game, and sometimes when guys get some distance, and you know he was pretty quick to come back and say like I don't like I couldn't have prepared any better for that game. Like he thought he had done everything he could to prepare for that game mentally. It was just they got beat physically that game. So the question is, and it's more for you two. Um, obviously, Doug, you said that there's still a five percent part of you that's like skeptical of how this is going to go. Now that you both have gotten an opportunity to, you know, kind of talk to him at an extended length, because obviously I've done it in recruiting and in, in other times. How does that change? That is there still that five percent skeptic skepticism there, or has it gone down to four percent? Is it gone? Like, how does that affect your viewpoint going into how he might be in year two, especially since? It's the brain, and now he's got to do it with a lot of inexperience as his weapons. It has not changed it because he is going to run. The higher he goes in his career, whether that means facing teams in the playoff, whether that means in the NFL, you do face more and more guys with elite physical traits, right? Well, you, mm-hmm. you face bigger, stronger, faster, twitchier guys, right? And so – The idea that his brain is his best attribute and he works his butt off to maximize his brain is kind of where I thought most of the conversation today sort of confirmed the confirmed what I think I thought about CJ Stroud, but there is still, I guess to me, then it's like, okay, you can analyze a defense the exact perfect way. You can know exactly how a corner is going to play it. And then when it comes down to it, if you have to put a ball 22 yards down the field, right in a spot between the corner and the safety when the guy you're throwing to isn't Garrett Wilson or isn't Chris Olave or, or, you know, Jackson Smith, the jig is still going to be there. And the other guys are good. And it's a, you know, it's a next level of defense, even than what he faced this year because he didn't get to the playoff because he didn't quite get to the Georgia or Alabama level of defense. It's not that I doubt your brain and I doubt your dedication, but sometimes then you better, you got to have a crazy arm to get that in there. And does he like, I'll I'll still hold that back, but we also have seen lots of quarterbacks succeed. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, certain guys that it's like, it's brain first, man. It's brain first. And then you work on your accuracy and all that stuff. So I wouldn't say it changes my 5%, but I feel like I feel stronger about the 95% of I know how he got to that 95% because he's really smart and he works his butt off. And, and, and now I have a little better specific handle about that. But sometimes it's like, well, Josh Allen, I don't think Josh Allen in the NFL necessarily processes like CJ Stroud does. But sometimes when stuff goes crazy, he can just like run over people and run around like a maniac because he's Josh Allen. And I don't know if Lamar Jackson processes like him, but sometimes when Lamar Jackson just drops stuff on you that nobody mm-hmm. can defend. And I think there are a lot of quarterbacks who don't process the same way, but your natural physical gifts bail you out. So if you're against the very best defense in the country and you're like this and that's not enough, then how do you bail out? I'm not, I'm not doubting him, but no, it, it didn't shake. It didn't shake my 5%, but it reinforced my respect level for the things that I think I thought about it. That's a fair, I think there's two ways you can look at it and you took that way. So I'll take the other way. I agree with the idea of the higher you go, the better athletes you're going to face. That's just, I mean, that's how this works. 
which I do think then puts more value on the guy who has things that you have to develop that you're not born with. Because as we see with Josh Allen, as you see with, with Lamar Jackson, you're seeing it with Justin Fields a little bit, even though the Bears are not helping him at all. There's going to come a point where you're not the better athlete. And you're going to have to outsmart somebody. You're going to have to outprepare somebody. And so I am very interested to see, see what this offense looks like with CJ in comparison to what it was with Dwayne and Justin. That's like the ultimate question there, because I think we learned with Justin, he's best when he's on the move, when he gets to be an athlete, when he's doing whatever he's doing, whether it's him actually running or just being out with naked boots and then throwing the ball. When you get him on the move, he's great. While with Dwayne, it's more, as long as he doesn't have to move at all and somebody's open, he's cool. CJ is a cool mixture of both of those worlds. So what does that mean for Ryan Day and how he wants to call an offense for him in year two with that brain? But more importantly, at that next level, what coach is going to tap into that and be and get the Peyton Manning or the Drew Brees or the Tom Brady? Because that's the type of offense he's going to have to run because he's not an elite athlete, even if he can run every so often. All right, we'll take last quick break. We're keeping this kind of short. We'll be back to wrap up what we learned about C.J. Stroud next on Buckeye Talk. All right, I want to hit a couple things, Nathan, that, that C.J. sort of covered uh, in a variety of ways. But I also want to say he's just really earnest. He is just a very like genuine. Yeah. He he starts every news conference with thanking God for the blessings of of the gifts, the fit, you know, the, the football gifts that he was given. And then he was talking today um, about Nipsey Hussle and some of the things that uh, the late. Really? Yeah, I mean that that few guys. Everybody knows who Nipsey Hussle is. Was yeah. uh, tragically murdered a couple of years ago, um, but a. Uh, a rapper, an artist, a community leader. And he was talking mm-hmm. about some of the things that Nipsey Hussle, some of the things he said about life. And, and that's something that he certainly did a lot. He had sort of a, a view of the world. And CJ said, that's, you know, that guy's fr- from my area. It's an LA guy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things really stick with CJ. This is a very, very thoughtful, thoughtful young man who thinks about life in a certain way. And as a result is out to take advantage of every opportunity he has. I, I look forward to, learning more, writing more, talking more with and about C.J. Stroud in the coming year. Nathan, he hit a couple things. You asked him about Quinn Ewers. What did he say about Quinn Ewers, and what did you think of the answer? You know, that he said he didn't know that it was coming, didn't have any insight into the what what pushed him out or what what made him decide to leave, I guess is probably the better way to say it, but just that both him and Jack Miller, that he um, had a, you know an affection for those guys and um, – is, is rooting for them and is, is uh, he called them both little brothers, which I thought uh, made sense for yours. Maybe laid a little bit less sense well, for Jack Miller since he came at the same time. And Jack's older than him. Yeah. Did he but, say little brother? He definitely said little brother about McCord too. Did he say little about Jack? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, he is the starter. If you're the starter, then everybody gets to be a little brother, but he seemed genuine that like, but he said like, he said with Jack, especially that he really knows Jack for two years. And he said, like, wherever Jack ends up, I'm going to go watch him play. Yeah, I talked about just the bond that it had grown between those guys. And um, it, we always look at it from the outside, I think, only in terms of the competition. And Ryan Day's talked about this before, that from the start of that whole process, that he had sort of found those, you know, taken those guys aside and said, you've got to find a way through that to have some sort of other teammate relationship. Otherwise it's going to be a caustic 
situation here, right? And it seems like in that case that that was able to happen. And he had good things to say about Kyle McCord too, and like appreciating sort of his sarcastic style of uh, humor and uh, and feeling kind of chummy with him too. So. Uh, that that's always something that we speculate about just looking at it from the outside as to how things, how guys are getting along inside that room. And it's easier. I think sometimes though, in your Stroud's perspective, when you're the guy at the top of the list to have great affection for everyone. I do think when he said that, that made me, and, and Steven, I think you probably talked about this kind of thing from yeah. when you talked to CJ and, and Kyle and recruiting. One's a laid back LA guy. One's yep. a sarcastic Philly guy together. <laughs> They're fighting for a starting job on the new sitcom quarterback brothers Columbus style. Like it is. I would, I would like to just watch be a fly in the wall to watch CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord interact. Also asked, asked uh, Nathan sort of about the idea of what if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson opt out of this game. And from his answers, Nathan, it made it clear that it's at least a conversation and a possibility, but he was also just sort of very supportive of whatever they do. Yeah. Just that, you know, he wants them to play. He said something along those lines about Garrett Wilson. Like, I don't want to throw to anybody, but you or something like that, but he understands the realities of this. And he knows he had a line that was like in this life and in college football, a lot of people do what's best for them. So that's what they should do too. And it wasn't like some kind of outright, like militant uh, uh, pro uh, union players rights kind of thing or whatever. But I think there was a little bit in there and he made it. It was a broader statement, too, where he said something along the lines of, you know, they've got to. I think he said it's then he say at some point something like they've got to do what's best for their families, something along those lines. Like they understand what what is what is going on here and that it's it's just a, a trying to make a prudent decision here. And he said the same kind of thing about Jack and Quinn. Like they've got to right. do what's best for right. them, right? That he's pro his his guys, whether current teammates or now former teammates, he's he's pro them. And and also he said, like, I'm gonna stay in my lane. Like I support yeah. them in whatever they do. They have to do what's best with them, but he said, I'm gonna stay in my lane. And it was just CJ Stroud being very practical and pragmatic. Last thing, they were sick. The flu went through Ohio State before the Michigan game. Brian Day had acknowledged that. C.J. Stroud talked about it a little more, but I did think, Nathan, it was interesting. He said, A, by the time he took the field on the Saturday of the Michigan game, he felt pretty good. But B, he did think he got a little more tired during the course of the game than normal as a result of having battled the flu during that week. Yeah, uh, it's you can't say it didn't have an effect, I I suppose, that week. And and he mentioned that it wasn't just him that, you know, there were guys dropping out of practice. He was asked immediately after the game, whether or not he had missed any practice. And he said, no, but he said that insinuated that there were guys who had missed practice. So it it definitely had an impact at the same time. He was very quick as Ryan day was, you know, they made some comment about, you know, not wanting to kind of get too far into it and talk about losers lament and all that stuff. And he said something along the lines of, you know, nobody cares. Like they don't care. We're sick. We can't care. We're sick. We still have to go play. You still have to tough through it. And he even kind of took away that, like he, he felt, um, you know, a little bit of pride with the way that they, they got through whatever they had that game, but he wasn't using his excuse to why they lost. All right. So that's our little lens into a little more insight into CJ Stroud. Uh, Steven has this big Stroud piece that will drop 
sometime before the Rose Bowl. We'll keep you apprised of when that's going to happen. Nathan, we this is the Thursday pod. There will not be a Friday morning pod, but we are going to do a pod because you will be in New York on Friday following around C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Aiden Hutchinson and Kenny Pickett. And we will talk to you Friday afternoon, Friday evening, whenever it is that you can get to a place to do a podcast and report on what that day was like, what you're covering, what you're seeing, and then you will be at the Heisman ceremony on Saturday night. We know CJ Stroud's not going to win. I don't think we're going to jump in with an emergency podcast after he doesn't win, but we'll cover sort of the wrap up of what the Saturday was like on the Monday pod, but we will have a Friday afternoon evening. If it gets super late, it might drop, drop tolls overnight, Friday night into Saturday morning. Nathan Baird on the ground in New York with CJ Stroud. Uh, he has never been to New York. He said that. He said, I'm an LA guy, never been to New York. He's excited about that. Nathan, have you been to New York? I was in New York with you. That is actually true. Was that the only time you were in New York? No, I went back there this year and I'd been there uh, one other time. Lovely. When I covered Troy Smith at the Heisman ceremony in 2006, I think I saw the Spam a Lot musical. So that was, uh, that was good. That's the Monty Python one. Anyway, yeah, not a all right. Fan. Not a big fan of New York. Not, I was going to say, Stephen Means, not a big fan of Monty Python. Hit that middle-aged white guy yeah, buzzer. I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. But yeah. Monty Python. <laughs> ah, the, the Stephen, the Ministry of Silly Walks. 27-year-old guys are down with the Ministry of Silly Walks. I, did, I have never heard those words put together in a sentence like that before in my life. Can I just say the enthusiasm when Stephen heard me say the name Nipsey Hussle, the way yeah. he sat up in front of his microphone, he was like, does Doug know who that is? So I do. I would like to uh, talk to CJ Stroud more about his, you know, his influences growing up in L.A. Good guy. Good luck to CJ in New York. Good luck to Nathan in New York. Thanks, you guys, for listening to us here on Buckeye Talk. We'll see you again Friday afternoon, evening, night, maybe Saturday morning. But we'll have some live New York coverage from that. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.